Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of the Agile Pubcast. Your pubcast, which is usually run in a pub, but we can't get to the pub because of lockdown. In this episode, we talk about conversion stories. People in your team that have been converted to a different way of working, purely just almost by accident. And we talk about how that's happened in some of our previous experiences. We also talk about the film Moneyball, something that I watched during uh, an evening of Netflix surfing. And that sparked a conversation as to whether there was any agile themes to that film or not. And we finished by talking about the locus of control, how the current situation, the current lockdown, is affecting our ability to take control of situations. And we talked about what we can control and what we can't. And maybe sometimes we need to flip that or stretch it a bit further than usual. So we hope you're comfortable. We hope you're all safe at home. Jeff and I will be opening the doors of the social distance in again. So keep your eyes on Twitter or social media for details on how you can join us for a virtual pint at the end of the week. Anyway, enough of me talking. It's time to open those bottles of beer and cider and enjoy the jingle. Here we go. Good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you? What? How's your day been? What can I get for you? Ah, so Mr. Barman, thank you very much. I'll have one of your finest ciders, please. It's a lucky day today. So, hey? (laughs) Lucky dip. (laughs) So I've got, um, yeah, so I haven't chosen my drink yet. I've uh, got it. I'm going to hold this up for the camera. I've got a big box. Obviously now... We're uh, now only allowed to, well, we're only getting, getting a lot of deliveries. Yeah. I've got the only thing I could get a delivery of was cider. I can't get Sainsbury's delivery, but I've got cider delivery. Currently unopened. Yeah. I'm now going to open it and I'm going to pick a cider at random. These were from the Bristol Cider Shop. I feel like I'm doing a sales pick now. This is from the Bristol Cider Shop. We were doing online delivery and it was 12. Ideal, they called it. Ideal ciders or something like that. The, yeah, the 12 ciders that you have to have. And they're okay. all kind of West Country based. All right. So you don't know what's in there at all? I don't know what's in here. I'm opening the box now. Have you ever had anything from them before? No, never had anything from the Bristol Cider Shop. Apparently, I think it's in, right in the middle of Bristol, somewhere like St. Nick's Market, something like that. Okay. Um, so they've gone completely on, online now. And I, so I'm not going to look in the box. I'm going to pull one out. God knows what's in here. And it could, there could be like rocket fuel strength cider in here for all I know. That just spit. I, yeah. I'm going to dip into this box without looking. You, you can testify that I'm not looking. Okay. Right, I've got a bottle. Okay, you ready? Yeah. This is Perry's Somerset Cider. Perry. Oh my god, six six point seven percent. Yeah. Okay. Vintage. Uh, yeah. Vintage. Collector's card number five. From uh, Ilminster, Somerset. There we go. I'm going to crack this one. Open. I'm, I'm going to close the box again now. We'll do another another mystery one next time. I won't look. Okay. There you go. That's the. Uh, I'll just take a sticker with it as well. I love cider. Oh, yeah, well, this is cider number one. For me. Yours sounds a lot safer than mine. Really? What have you got? Well, I'll hold this up, but it won't make much difference because it's almost completely white. Ooh. But it's an ice cream pale ale. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that probably sounds quite nice, but inter- is it sweet? Right. I don't know. I mean, it just smells like beer, to be honest, but I don't. I'm going to pour my ass. I wonder if it's picking out the audio now. Should do. Very fizzy. Very fizzy, this is. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Matt. Nice one. Yeah, mine's very, it's a very orangey, uh, orange cider. Oh, I've got bits in mine. Oh, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, quite a harsh taste, mine is. A little bit of sediment in the bottom. 
Well, it's, it's not in the bottom, it's just sort of suspended. And mine's got a bit of a, of a, of a different after, like a kind of, it was going to say, it says yeast in here, quite a yeasty aftertaste. It's, it's um, spent a lot of time in wooden barrels. There we are, full bodied. I'm just reading the label now. Yeah, that's quite strong. I'll, I'll, I'll just be having one of these, Jeff. I won't be, yeah. Is it a pint? It is, well, yes, it's a big bottle, so it's a yeah, 500ml bottle, so it's, it's pretty much a whole pint. This is a 500ml can as well. But to be honest, I, I, I'm surprised. It's nice. It's good, is it? It's only got a really subtle ice cream aftertaste. It's, well, then you can taste vanilla. Yeah, just sort of vanilla notes. Otherwise, it just tastes like a pale ale, which is, and it's 5.6%. It's quite strong for a pale ale. I'd say that it, it's off-putting to the eye because the sediment's not sinking. It's, it's like suspended. So just little little bits throughout. It's almost like a slow motion movie, you know, yeah. in the movies where they get those slow motion where everything's suspended. Very odd. But um, yeah, I don't even know where it's from. I don't know how I came across it. It was just in my fridge. Just one of them. <laughs> just one of them. Um Apollo, Buxton. It looks so it's got a kroner, um, like a, a Norwegian or a some Scandinavian currency, if you take this back, you get, you know, like a, a krona refund type thing. So it, but it's product of the United Kingdom, so Suxton Brewery, wherever Suxton is. Oh no, Buxton. Buxton, where's Buxton? Is that Midlands? I have a feeling that's Midlands. Anyway, enough of that. It was quite nice. Yeah, good stuff. How's your week been? Um, you know, it's not, it's not too bad, really. Um, Kind of, dare I say, getting used to this kind of uh, routine now. It's. I was talking about this to, to Sabrina today. Um, the kids are the kids are off school, and the, the kid. To be fair, the kids are you know they have their moments, but they're. Yeah, they're looking after themselves, but um, it's it's kind of a it's a strange sensation of safety within your own four walls that you kind of because you we've been isolated i know we've seen people on 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 um, conference calls and sorry zooms and things like that but you do feel like you i'm kind of you've battened down the hatch now you've got you go out once a week to get the food that we need and we kind of then hunger down and and just look after ourselves and it's kind of that that safety sense that sense of safety i think from your own four walls that you get that you'll get through it if you can be you've got that kind of safety at home so but yeah we kind of got into a bit of a routine now and um yeah wash the car today <laughs> i wash my car today as well actually yeah don't see the point never use it but um <laughs> but i've just been doing life. you know i've just been doing things that i would perhaps never normally think about dedicating the time to doing but now that i have the time i'm doing more of those things it's like yeah you know just little odd jobs Fixing interesting, things. Interesting you... choice of shirt, if you don't mind me saying. Can you see what it is? Scrum Alliance. Yeah, I am wearing wearing the colours today. In, um, wearing my Scrum Alliance U, uh, EU GT t-shirt. Yeah. What, what brought that on? You just haven't done the washing for a while. Eh? Just haven't done the washing for a while, or? We went out for a cycle ride today, so I was, I wore this to um, under on top of my lycra. Oh God. Yeah, <clears throat> got to get your daily exercise. Uh, we cycled like eight miles today. Me, us, and the, me and the and the kids. Is that allowed? It was about an hour. We had an hour's cycle. Okay. I don't see why it shouldn't be, but uh, you hear people getting uh, told off for all sorts of things these days, don't you? Oh uh, yeah, the fines being handed out left, right, and centre. Some police forces are taking it a bit more seriously than others. I think. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Good day? Um, yeah, it's all right. Nice day. Weather's out. When the sun's out, it's a nice day. Um, generally generally more pleasurable, isn't it? Um, the whole, our household seems to be getting back to full health, which is good. Yeah. You know, it's not 
it's all it's all fun and games till someone loses an eye, isn't it? So it's everything's okay, but if you know you, you can't get medical help very easily, and you think you need it, yeah, would have we would have taken our kids to see a doctor? Would you? Yeah, but just can't, can you? So, yeah. Um, well, I happen to know a friendly doctor who can, with some photographs, can give us a bit of a diagnosis in the middle of the night. But yeah, um, it's a bit ooh, can't really, you know. Yeah. So and and it's not nice when you got someone down, you know, not well and feeling bad. And so yeah, we're all back getting back to full fitness now. I think which is which is good, which is which helps. It's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the kids are. It's a Monday, so they've been doing some. School work, even though it's Easter holidays, we're not letting them off. Mean, yeah. mean, mean parents that we are. No, we're doing a similar thing. We have, we've started to say it's a kind of a relaxed school week, so we're not being as timetabled about it. But if we see an opportunity, so they're doing like regular reading and stuff like that and spellings and that, just to keep their, keep their eyes in. So, but trying to intersperse it. I am. Um, they they got some entrepreneurial um, experience today with being paid to help me wash the car. So, okay. Um, each child got two pounds each for inside. What can they do with that money? Hey, <laughs> what can they do with that money? They can't right, exactly. shop, yeah. Can they? yeah, they put it in their piggy banks. So, buy an online lottery ticket. <laughs> but um, did you bet on the virtual Jan- Grand National? No, I wouldn't bet on the normal Grand National. So no, oh, I, wouldn't yeah, okay. I wouldn't trust it. I I wondered though if that's the way that a lot of these sporting events will inevitably go now because they've proved that they can do it and a virtual grand grand national happened. But who? I mean, who can get excited about that? It's just a computer. Nothing. It's not real. I can't. I can't see how people can get excited about that. It's pretty good. If you watched it on the TV, it was it was very well um, designed. How they pretty realistic but obviously you know it's not real but it's it looks pretty good hmm. well, we i don't know a, what, what a good, we what? had a good round at the social distance in didn't we last week we did yeah it was um again just took a bit of a free-form chat wasn't it it was a uh, open microphones and people just well, a mixture of people didn't we we had one with andy he was on his treadmill yeah, we had uh, Karina who had a glass of wine. We had Craig who had a little baby strapped to his front, and he was walking around the house to get her to sleep. Yeah, yeah, we had a mixture of people. Um, what did we talk about? We were mainly talking about the um, the how effective online training is generally. I think. Okay. And about whether you know the the whole um, is virtual training here to stay. Kind of thing as opposed to will it eventually surpass the in-person training element I think that's largely what it's about. We did. I also remember um I haven't asked permission so I won't say who it was but one 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 of our uh one of our uh what do you call them I'm not patrons I suppose pub, pub, pub attendees they mm. were uh, telling us how they, they had a very pleasant experience as a result of this changing circumstances and one of the most negative people in their team yes anti-agile people in their team since everybody's been working from home has almost got undergone a complete personality bypass and has become the most positive optimistic helpful mm. you know um team player they've seen and it's gone from one extreme to the other and it was a, a it reminded me of a few few people that we've worked with in the past and you probably work with other people similar to this um where they were you know the most cynical negative don't want to do this this is wrong don't like it and then something happens mm-hmm. something and it can be it will be different for different people but then they just become the most bought in supportive evangel evangelical you know agilist you can find mm. There's certainly one at BT, I can't remember who it was, and I probably shouldn't name them if I didn't know them anyway. But it was we could pe- call him Dave, couldn't we? <laughs> there was a there was a senior manager, wasn't there, who um who I remember our old boss Sean, Sean used to tell the story. And these are the things, the organizational narratives that we we ended up telling ourselves over and over again and telling people that if this person can change, and then we got that person to tell their story. Yeah. 
and they told him how they were originally, you know, and they're quite senior, so they, they had a lot of gravitas and they, they, they attached their name to, we post their name all over the, um, the events and they tell their story. So it doesn't, yeah, just, I wonder, but what makes you wonder what would have happened during this type of lockdown or this type of change of circumstances that would, that would convert someone to, to that way of working when in fact you think, if anything, it would actually back up that this isn't, this isn't how we should work. You know what I mean? Well, we, we were hypothesizing, weren't we, about the introversion, extroversion flip in yeah. that now everybody's in their own homes and there isn't everybody looking at you and no spotlight on you as such, that it's a little bit more comfortable for the introverts and a lot less comfortable for the, for the extroverts. And this person, we were, we were told, was quite introverted by nature. And so it's perhaps they were more in their comfort zone and they felt that almost they had a almost a, an advantage, if you like, over the rest of the team. And so once they were in their comfort zone, perhaps there was a sense of obligation to step up or a freedom to step up. And mm. the, we, I mean, I was of the opinion, don't worry too much about why. Don't mm. try and analyze why it's happened. Just, just take it, just run with it, just accept it. Mm. Uh, because sometimes you can overanalyze something and you know, kill the patient. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the, that's, that's been something that's, been talked about a lot isn't it the, the difference between introversion and, and extroversion and how it, it's always been an extrovert's world especially from an agile perspective but now perhaps perhaps it's uh, the introverts turn to shine mm. yeah but certainly i think you mentioned on that call as well is that um not having you know almost like people can't see your monitor they can't see what you're working on it's very much take you take you have to have survive a lot more on trust. Mm. You have to um, you have to, to deliver on your commitments. Probably even more so when people aren't there to look over your shoulder. But maybe, maybe looking over your shoulder is for some for some people is is a is a is a slows people down. And um, well, the trust thing, I've always had a had a sort of what's the word a sort of split opinion on, if you like, in that. Yeah, Agile is built on trust, but in a way, it's kind of the opposite in that there's only so long I can go before anybody's going to really see what I'm capable of. Mm. And so there's a fear of, well, hold on, at the end of this sprint, I'm going to get judged. Yeah. And so do you need more trust here? I mean, regardless of, of whether I can see what's on your screen at the end of the sprint if you haven't got anything I don't need to be micromanaging you or looking over your shoulder to see it I just come on to the sprint review I suppose it's I wonder as well if it's if it's harder to ask for help and I mean from an overhead point of view if it's more disruptive to phone stroke message stroke um, voice call someone is there more of an onus to knuckle down and just get on with yourself and, and to, you know, perhaps that, that more individual, individual way of working. So I imagine not impossible, but obviously you can still pair, you can still pair program over, over uh, remote um, links, but maybe that's again, more of an effort, more of an overhead. So people tend to work more. I'd love to hear where, if people are still managing to do that as much now, or whether it's becoming too, too too much of an overhead that they're more working by themselves i don't know honestly i reckon i'm not <clears throat> it might surprise you but i'm not that technical <laughs> i don't do a lot of pair programming these days <laughs> but, um I, I would imagine it's it's even easier remote you get because you can have your own big screen and as close as you want you don't have to share that screen as it were yeah physically two people sitting next to each other bumping elbows yeah smelling each other's uh shirts and perfumes. um so I, I think it's probably easier I, I mean google docs is something that we google uh it's not just docs is it but the google suite is something that people have been pairing on we've been pairing on yeah and see what's going on um so i would say it's 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 even easier to do the mm. only issue I think is around security of systems with, with things like access and firewalls. But if you've got, you know, if you've got your secure access, then mm. um, it shouldn't be an issue. Mm. 
And if government, if the UK government are chairing cabinet meetings through Zoom, I think <laughs> the, the hackers have got bigger things to be uh, yeah. focusing they on. They are under a bit of scrutiny, aren't they, Zoom at the moment, from what I've been saying in the press. Uh, and I know some companies, I had one guy that refused to come to our um, linked, uh, sorry, our social distancing on Friday because it was on Zoom. And he's, okay. he, he was quite uh, nervous, not from a company mandate point of view, but from his own um, personal reasons, didn't want to use Zoom due to the lack of security or the, the holes in their security system. So hmm. I know it's not... Um, it's not perfect world at the moment, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly it's probably the most widely used one. I think well, this is um, a bit of an insight into my personality. I suppose all of these episodes are insight into my personality. But <clears throat> you know, I was a big fan of Zoom. I was I was using it for my my coaching calls and things. I don't know for the last eighteen months or so. I used it to collaborate with my with the people when I wrote my book. So. I'm familiar with it. I like it. Yeah. A lot, lot of, lot of, uh, lot of love for it. But as soon as I realised how popular it was, my instinct is I want to find a new tool. Really? Because I don't like being with the majority. <laughs> part of, part of how I define my, my, my site, my myself is is siding with the underdog. That that's yeah. my thing. Yeah. One of my things. And so I'm instinctively thinking, all right, now it's time to find out. Um, yeah, and that was that was a thing with with Apple a long time ago, and now Apple's so famous. I start thinking, well, really, but I can't bring myself to go back to Microsoft. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sense of ooh. but there's, there's, so there's an element of it's. I like to be different. I like to be yeah, uh, you know, alternative, and I like the idea of supporting the underdog. But mm. also, there is a sense of well, you know, if someone was going to target a tool, yeah, right, they would target the one with the most users on. Of course they would, yeah. And so I would feel safer with a less established platform, which is which is in, in some ways perverse, isn't it? Because they if anyone they've got the funds and the and the and the incentive to be to invest in their security. But yeah. Hmm, not sure that's that's very related to Agile. No. Um <clears throat> on that th so it's a completely different theme, but on this sort of agile theme is um we, we were Searching through Netflix, I started trying to find something to watch, and we ended up watching Moneyball. Oh yeah, which I think would do, you describe if anyone hasn't seen it as a pretty much a. Um, it's not really. An, there was a great speech at the end of it. Uh, I, am I going to spoil it? Is this a massive spoiler alert on this? If I go straight, I've seen the film, but I couldn't. I couldn't quote you anything from it. But um, about change, it's, it's largely about change management and change changing of the culture. I'm interested where you're going with this because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not immediately seeing the link, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Really? Yeah. You've seen the film there? I've seen the film. I know right. what it's about. I know the premise. So, so building a team based on data rather than based personalities on and, and chemistry and fit and talent and yes. a coach's or a scout's eye. It's just looking at numbers and data. Yes. So at the end of the film, um, they so this guy who who built a team, the Oakland Athletics, around that um, Bill James, I think it was Bill James, the the guy who wrote a book on statistics and 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 doing it by numbers, around changing um, one team. That his his goal wasn't to change his team; it was to change baseball. It was to, it was to open people's eyes to there's a different way. This is that we're looking at this the wrong way. Yeah. you can win championships you can win games if you look if you look at the data instead of going by what your scouts are saying but they didn't did they who didn't they didn't win did they no they didn't win no but the gut but at the end of the film mass, again massive spoiler alert if you don't want to know what happens at the end of the film jump jump to, <laughs> jump to the end of the podcast now but um at the end of the film he gets um interviewed by he gets called to boston to, to the red sox mm -hmm. the red sox is in boston isn't it that's right um and he gets offered a job at the end of that season where he the first season he he did it where he he had one of the 20 game winning streak with this team 
the general manager of, of the Oakland Athletics, was offered a job by the Boston Red Sox, who just employed the guy who wrote the book on this statistical way of analysing results and, and, and players. And they wanted him to go and work for them, but he turned it down. And two years later, the, the Red Sox won the World Series. Mm-hmm. So and I think... So his point was he he wanted to wake people up to and at the end of the, this film this guy makes the 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 owner of the Red Sox makes this speech about this isn't about um, this team this is about changing people's perception of baseball and how baseball works and how how to win games rather than just looking at how to buy players and um, I thought it was it's about changing people's perception there's an argument halfway through the film between his chief his chief scout saying you're basically undermining my 29 years of experience based on, on your theory, on your vision. Yeah, yeah but he, he said he was willing to lose his job for it. He okay. was willing to, he was willing to, he believed, in, he believed in it that much that he was willing to, it's either, and it was all, either all in or we don't bother. Mm. There was kind of no halfway house. We either have to live, live or die by this or, or, you know, or, or we can just give up now. Mm. Yeah. So I'm I I am a fan of data and we had a we had a couple of good episodes not that long ago. Actually one was in one was in when we were in Dublin around experiments and actually using good experiments to find good data and listening to that, getting past your cognitive biases and being more objective. And I think that's something we need to we need to do a lot more of. But when it comes to creating a team <clears throat> I am still a little bit more in the old school of you'll know a good team member, you'll know a good person when you see them rather than show me the data. Um, but maybe there are proxy metrics that you could use and think, all right, well, you know, how many person, how many times a month does this person ask for help or offer help? Maybe when it's above. There was another, there was an interest. So to, on that line, there was a point in the film where they hired a guy who was, statistically good you know in terms of he, he he ticked all the boxes in terms of the right numbers but um he was just an arsehole yeah and he had a problem with gambling and um you know creating a bad vibe in the changing room and not taking things seriously so they basically cut him even though the guy said no this guy you've got to keep tight because on paper he's great and he's, he's got to be great for this team but he was just a dick yeah so they just they just cut him but they obviously they replaced him with someone that they thought was was as good on paper if not um uh, if not better so it's just well, with yeah. enough data points you can extrapolate out right so it's about knowing it's about first of all finding out well what are the patterns what are the the metrics that that indicate greatness um and baseball i think is a lot of it it's much of an easier sport i've never played it but much of an easier sport to look at data because there are, it's not that complex a sport. <clears throat> you, hit, you throw a ball, you hit a ball, you run, you catch. It's pretty much it. Yeah. It's not like a, a full 11, 11, 11 on 11 or 15 or 15 on contact. Yeah. Lots of complicated rules and things. And so I think finding out, well, you know, people who hit this percentage do better than this percentage. You know, mm. that, that data is a lot easier to find. But if you can find, and I think they've been trying to do that a lot more with more complex sports. So soccer, football, they've started tracking at a lot of things now. Yeah. Um, like meters covered, passes complete, and in various parts of the pitch and so on. And I think with, with enough data points and with enough software, then you can do that. I'm not sure whether that applies to office-based teams. Do you? No, I don't think it does. And I think you're right, it's inherently a much more complex system. The, the main, the thing I'm, I'm trying to latch onto here is that I think it's the, the whole scrum thing. It's about if you've been doing something for that long, you believe that's the only way you can do it. True. And yeah. it's very hard. This guy, so these, these scouts would not accept this an alternative, would not accept that there is no way, other better way to, that, to build a team than to just listen. You just have to shut up and listen to what we're saying because we know what to do. We, we've done this before. And it was that awareness that, you know, well, maybe there is another way. It may not be the perfect way, but there, there is another way that you can win games. And um, 
that was that was the interesting aside for me was um, about changing about entrenched about, expertise. Yeah, and about also about persistence and um, believing in a change enough that you're willing to you know willing to go all the way with it hmm. rather than dip out halfway through. Anyway, that was just a, again one of those interesting things that we um, stumbled. It's a film I've seen before. The wife hasn't seen it before, but um, we sat down and watched it last night and really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a very good film. I can thoroughly recommend it. Good, good. It's a few years since I've seen it. I think I watched it on your recommendation, actually. Did you? Hmm. Yeah, didn't let me down there. Good. <laughs> so it's a nice, nice change. The world has definitely gone wrong when uh, you've said, have you seen this film? And Jeff says, yes. Yeah, it's a sign that everything's gone wrong. Everything well, good. That came up on Friday as well. Like someone suggested a film and you said, no, I haven't seen it. And it was something fairly obvious. Like Jaws or something like that. What was it? What, somebody mentioned it on Friday. I can't it was. You're right, you're right. Can't remember what it was though, but yeah, there was a... But it was something everyone on the call was expecting you to have known. It was a metaphorical kind of comparison. Yeah. You have to say, you said, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, th I think I knew where he was going, but I, I, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how, that's kind of how things... Now's a great time, Jeff. You should be catching up. You should be looking at the top 100 films of all time, <laughs> whatever Honestly, it is. mate, if, uh, I, mean, I, I love my little baby, uh, but if I didn't have a one-year-old, this would be brilliant because I absolutely would. I would be, I'd be watching all sorts. I'd be reading. I've got seven books I want to read. Yeah. But uh, when you've got a one-year-old who, who's just attention, 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 you've got sort of two nap times during the day. But those times are when me and my wife go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, we see all these posts about people doing all this stuff. And today was a treat because uh, I washed the car. Yeah, so that was an hour while he was asleep. But um, yeah, you see all these people saying, "Oh, I'm getting to do all this stuff, do the gardening, and do this DIY, and read these books, and watch this Netflix series." <laughs> wow, yeah, to be to be you. I know. Sorry to rub it in, mate. That's all right. No, I don't begrudge anybody else. I don't begrudge anybody else taking advantage. I think it's brilliant for a lot of people. Absolutely brilliant. <sighs> So any other news? Think the, the bond will have me and him at the end of this much more than we would normally. Of course we will. Yeah, yeah. He won't remember it, but uh, some level he will. You certainly will. You're going to ask me else something then? Yeah. Is there anything else going on in the agile world we can talk about? I know we're uh, locked in our um, in our little houses, but well, I'm not sure where where I'll go with this because I haven't experienced it. But I've got something through in my inbox today for Howard Sublet's office hours. Yeah, I saw that, yeah, go on. It's a, a, a calendar invite. So he set aside, Howard Sublet, the chief product owner of the Scrum Rights, has set aside a couple of hours each day mm. where anybody uh, from the, the guide level certifications, so CST, CSE, I think that's CDC, can, uh, can just log on and either ask him questions or listen to what's going on, almost like a, you know, an open. Yeah open session and I think you know, that's something that, that we were talking about at the the social distance in mm. were we maybe not sure definitely had a conversation on zoom about it at some point but these things do merge into one <laughs> where you know as a team making use of having a common team space yeah that you can all come back to so the zoom call is open all day yeah uh, other conference call facilities are available uh, but you can slip into your little breakout rooms for your pairing or your little conversations or even just your own breakout room. Yeah. Just for some focused, quiet time. Uh, and if someone needs you, they can come, they can drop in and speak to you. Or if you, you know, go back at certain times for, for a collaboration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, almost as a manager, as a leader, as a team, having that space where, you know, anybody can join and... Yeah open door policy basically it's an online open door policy isn't it yes and that is the there's some clever tricks you can do with zoom i don't know we're, we're we're not in any way affiliated to zoom it's just that we use it more more than anyone else or more than any other well i used i used whereby the other day 
Who buys it? Is it a knock? You, know, you can metaphorically knock okay. on the door. It's almost in, like in the waiting room. Oh, okay. But the so I see so the idea. But you can get ways around it by making everyone a co-host of the same call. You can literally set up your own breakouts. I think. Yeah. And you can like you say you can create as many breakout rooms as you like. Really, um, you can rename breakout rooms. So it could be Paul's office, Jeff's office. Um, you can step in. You can step out. And yeah, that kind of um, you can cr almost create a lot an office environment online which you just open throughout the day it's not i mean that's not a bad thing to do the virtue you could call one breakout room the water cooler or you know the kitchen second life still going do you remember second i haven't life? heard about it for ages no i haven't heard about it for ages but it seems like a perfect opportunity i mean we i used to know teams that would have their, their you know their, their team space would be second life and they would have yeah. one little bit that was their team war room and one which was their daily scrum room and stuff yeah. and yeah they could just literally in a digital format yeah wander from room to room and, and knock on people's doors and go in and speak to them and i think it could be quite chaotic with a lot of people i think i think scrum team size it would work really well but anything could be chaotic with a lot of people right? a co-located team can be chaotic with a lot of people yeah true but it, it's and I, but I like the idea that um howard's opening up his um his office to uh for other people to come and work in it and, and to asking questions Yes, it definitely models the, uh, the value of openness. Exactly, yeah. And courage. Yeah, because a lot of people have got a lot of questions and um, there's a lot of nervous um, people around at the moment and they don't really know how it's going to pan out. But then you could argue nobody does. But um, yeah, at least trying to um, keep people talking is, is a good thing, in my view. Hmm. How are your uh, how are your clients getting on? Your, your the the people that you're normally coaching. Uh, okay. Well, again, it's I spoke to a couple who said one person who's just said it's just like normal. Really, they've kind of they've they've gone they've retreated and they're they're working at home remotely and it's all they're fairly mature as a team and they're fairly mature as an organisation. They just kind of carried on. Mm. And they've got um, good levels of communication anyway. They, they're quite open about chatting with each other online or um, hangouts or whatever they, they, is they're using, I think. But, um, but then some others are completely kind of been, they're just starting out. They're, they're a bit more, they've been sidelined by this. They, they don't really know how to cope with it and how to, Scrum Masters have felt the need to, you know, going quite heavy-handed on this, and, and and mandate how we should work and how we should the process. I think has become a bit more important to them. Yeah, I think these these types of events they really show. This is going to sound a little bit too judgmental, I think, but show people true colours in terms of yeah you know, what, what our defaults are, and and I can say that I believe in teams and self-organization and you know i trust people but when when the pressure's on i'm not perhaps i'm not even thinking i'm almost in panic mode yeah. what i do when i'm in panic mode tells people a lot about uh, what i really think yeah. and so if i resort if i revert or resort to a little bit of micromanagement mm. then that is quite revealing for me as well as the people that I'm working with. And it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not, I'm not meaning it to be a judgmental thing, but it, it's, it takes things like this to help people really see where we are mm. and who we are. Mm. And then we can do something with it. Once we've got that awareness, we can then manage ourselves better and differently. Well, like, I think, and we won't mention who, we won't mention who mentioned this on the call last week, but somebody said, um, it's amazing how many people on LinkedIn now all of a all of a sudden become experts in remote working, <laughs> yeah. and um, they've changed their job titles or they've changed their their job descriptions to remote agile coach or remote trainer or whatever this might be. But um, I think yeah, I think it does fill a lot of people with um, with nerves, and, and it's it's about for me. I think it plays <laughs> it plays quite well into my locus of control I think because I've always been very aware that some things I've got just got completely I've got I haven't got any control over this 
Yeah. So it's about it's about establishing what I can control and what I can't, and what I what I've got to trust in what I what I've got to, what I can do deal with myself, or what I have to let let go up to, to trust of other people. So in terms of the overall management, the situation, and the, the spread of this virus, and the the um, the lockdown constraints, those are really things that I don't have any control over. I've just got to kind of roll with those punches as I get them. But what I can do is I can control how I approach my work and how I work and how I how much time I spend with the family and all the, and how we go out and get our shopping and those, those types of things that you can control. And I think there's a matter to, to be said for, for scrum masters or for, for agile team members is to try and establish that. So let's just talk about what is that right now within our control and what, what can we do and what, what do we need to perhaps put in place extra things to put in place as to how we work ourselves. But what if we just going to let happen and let, let those things um, emerge mm. rather than trying to clamp down on too many things too soon and trying to establish too much process too soon is let best, better practices emerge that we don't even know about yet. And there will yeah. be alternatives. There will be alternatives. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a healthy, a healthy mindset to take is, you know, control the controllables and let go of what you can't. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also, I'm always tempted to sort of take the other side to that as well. In that, you know, if you just accept things as they are and think, well, I can't control that, then nothing will really change. And, you know, change agents, scrum masters, product, even leaders need to, at, at some point say, Oh, maybe I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> maybe they need to say that. Um, but saying, uh, well, maybe what if I could change that? What if I have more control than I thought, more influence than, than I thought? Um, what would it take for me to get more influence? Yeah, I know. So I, and I do. So this is, I think, this is an interesting one because I think I know that I, I know you, you've said this and I know this is a big um a big belief of yours about this locus of control and that, and that I think you've said before certainly that agile coaches need to have a, a stronger sense of um, internal locus of control that, that they, you feel you can make make a difference so you, you, you can you can change something now this is so for me personally I don't think maybe maybe this makes me a good agile coach or a bad agile coach. I don't really know but I I I don't feel that, that I feel that it's quite strongly there are things that I don't have control over and I'm quite and I feel personally that may, helps me manage my stress better yeah absolutely so I think there's a there is a you know there's a there's a delicate there's a sweet spot here between just you care just enough that you want to try and make things better but equally you're not going to you know, kill yourself, uh, you know, or, or stress yourself out by knowing that this thing you're trying to think change things that can't change. And you and I have come from <clears throat> two ends of the spectrum in our lives. You yeah. know, you've come from very calm <laughs> classes, just whatever happens happens. Yeah, kind of world. And you know, eventually you got to a point where you think, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shake things up a bit. Um, and whereas I came from, I'm going to change everything now. Yeah. To just just calm down a bit, Jeff. Just, <laughs> just think how they are a little bit. Um, and you know, we've I think we've been a good foil for each other over the years in, in that respect. <clears throat> and that's not to say that we, we don't flip because there are times, certainly within some of our training courses and sometimes with clients, where you'll be pushing people more because you can see more potential for change and I'll be saying, Oh man, we just need to calm yeah. down a little bit, meet them where they are, they're not quite ready for it yet. So I think my, you're right, I do have a big strong belief about this. But equally, I think there's a sense of being able to play to the situation, be able to read the situation and think, right, right now is probably not the right time to be pushing that particular button. Mm. Uh, and if, if, if I've matured in any sense over the years, I think it's possibly that. Yeah. I wonder, so on that theme about co-facilitation and co-coaching, whatever you want to call it, co-working, I wonder if now is it is a better is it actually a a better time than any to to reinforce that to because we we've got a class coming up that we're, we're we've redesigned and we're going to rework to 
we didn't ever imagine it would be online, but it's going to be online. And we're going to have to work out a way that we can co-facilitate that. But I, part of me thinks that that will actually benefit not just me and you at the time, but it will also make for a better class that you've got, you can kind of, one of you can be um, monitoring a chat window or and one of you could be drawing on an iPad, whatever it might be while the other one is talking or while the other one is, is delivering content. So I wonder if this is a good time for other Scrum Masters out there or other facilitators to ask for help or to ask for um, uh, remote facilitation help or if it, even if it's just monitoring a chat window or monitoring, a, a uh, observing a, a workshop or a meeting that they're running online to give them some feedback or to help them manage the breakouts wherever it might be with it perhaps maybe this is a good opportunity for anyone to try that if they haven't because i know that's kind of how we've always done it and how we've been brought up to do it well yeah we were talking weren't we on on friday at the social distancing about the you know the, the upsides to online and that yeah there will be some downsides and that you know perhaps you can't replicate some of the the advantages of being able to you know shake hands and have a little small talk at the coffee shop or the coffee station or something. But there are, there are some upsides that you can't get there as well. And what you've hinted at there is that if, if we were teaching in a room, you and I in a room with 10 or 12 other people, and you're talking some absolute nonsense, as may happen. As usual, Jack. And um, yeah, someone in, the, someone in the class thinks, what, what's Paul talking about? I don't, don't understand what he's talking about. And they want to ask. Maybe they even want to ask me because they don't want to disrupt you. <laughs> but if if there's nine ten other people listening to you trying to understand what you're saying they don't want they they're, they're probably let more likely to say nothing yeah whereas if there was a, a little separate chat window which only i saw nobody else knew they were asking the question you didn't know they were they were questioning what you were saying they might be more open to doing that and get the help they need without even disrupting the flow mm. and you know that that sort of reminded me of of something you, you were talking about in this in this uh, episode earlier on this sort of um, you know remote pairing type thing and not being together and is it is it harder because you can't just see Nigel over there and say oh Nigel 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 give us yeah. some help on this but again I think if I'm an introvert in the office I probably don't want to do that mm. but if I'm at home on my own I've got a little chat window over here that I know nobody can see Mm. or I can have a, a, you know, a, a voice call that I know nobody else can hear, I'm more willing to ask for help. I'm more willing to, to collaborate because my, my shyness isn't going to be yeah. a spotlight put on it. So, yeah, there are, there are definitely advantages to this. Mm. We've just got to learn to make use of them while trying to keep some of the good stuff that we had before. Yeah. It's like Andy said last week, isn't it? Is that people still love to see see trainers drawing, and, and that's it. I, yeah, I, I know what he's saying, and I know that a lot of uh, that, that visual facilitation movement that happened a few years ago has has kind of um, stayed, certainly with us and a lot of other trainers that people enjoy watching and and looking at um, visual creations. But um, yeah, I, th I think even some of those don't work online or don't work as well as perhaps we want to think that they do. Um, I, I, what's the, you know, the, um, the sort of graphic of going from Neanderthal to human, yeah. different stages. Yeah. I'm not, I should really know <laughs> who, who made that. What did it, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I haven't got a name. I don't know, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. The various stages of man's evolution. Yeah. And there's been a few stages of trainer evolution. Yeah, certainly in the scrum space, you know, from yeah. from the days where you just had Ken's slides, which he made in Word, I think. Oh yeah, with horrible comic sounds. Yeah, portrait, not, not yeah. landscape on a PDF. Yeah, um, to being able to do training from the back of the room. Yeah, to including actual full simulations exercises using abstract media. Yeah. Do the visual facilitation. These are all massive revolutions that, that started somewhere small and then sort of, yeah, that was great. And it's it become almost a, not necessarily a best practice, but certainly a very, very good practice. Yeah. And I think this, this could be another one, right? This could be the, 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 the next stage of, of online trainer, or mm -hmm. sort of the stage of scrum training, is to have a great online offering as well. 
Yeah. And at the moment, it's scary because I might not be anywhere near as good as somebody else, but I've got to start. Yeah. Out of my comfort zone again. But it does have that has its advantages, like we've talked about, is that it opens the likes of you and me up to more a wider audience, a global audience that would never be able to fly to a training session that you're running. So that's it. We have every course we have someone that's flown quite a long way to come to our course. Yeah. yeah. But equally for every one person that is able to do that, we've got fifteen, twenty, maybe more people who just can't, you know, it's too expensive. Yeah. And globally irresponsible some might say yeah so yeah it, it opens it opens up that it, it breaks down barriers doesn't it yeah so mate it's um it's getting at that time where uh, my glass is empty yeah i've quite enjoyed my very strong perry's vintage it's an interesting choice of name for a cider given that perry is a pear drink yeah that's definitely made from apples, right? I think so. Yeah, it tastes like apples. And I can't work out why, the, again, it's got a picture of a lion on the front. I can't work out why there's a picture of a lion, but maybe I'm missing something. It's all right, though. It's quite, yeah, it's quite rough, rough around the edges. I wouldn't want to have, I, would, I could drink it all day long. Good Lord. Uh, just try harder. <laughs> all right, mate. Drink responsibly. Yeah, drink responsibly, kids. Yes, yeah, so... Um, might we be opening the social... Di so, so this week's Good Friday, isn't it? Is it Good Friday this week? I believe it probably is. But uh, <laughs> if anybody does come, then we might we might have a pub quiz. Oh. I've put together a little pub quiz. If we get enough people coming who can, who can access it, oh. it'll be hard. <laughs> uh, a few Agile-related questions and a few questions... Well, not agile related. I'll just leave it like that. Okay. A little teaser. So we'll put, keep an eye out for the um, on Twitter. Follow us at the Agile Podcast, or um, follow me or Jeff on LinkedIn, and you'll see an invite to uh, the next edition of the Social Distancing Our Virtual Pub during lockdown. So we shall see. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Wash your hands. Cheers, Cheers. mate. So there you go, another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any questions you'd like us to cover, or if you'd like to invite us to your meetup group or conference for a live episode, then just get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and of course patreon.com, where you can find some extra episodes that have never seen the light of day, plus video versions of a lot of our episodes. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>